the message tonight is dealing with distractions. And uh, it's a little bit of, uh, I would say it's kind of a breakout session, if you want to call it a bonus uh, uh, session for us tonight, uh, as it relates to the message of this last Sunday. So we spoke this last Sunday about living on purpose. And if you weren't here, uh, it's really a word that we feel uh, is something that God wants us to carry through the year. Uh, so we actually, you know, uh, felt like God gave us Philippians 3.14 as a, as a theme verse to go back to and remember and uh, put it on a little bookmark so, you know, uh, we could put it wherever, uh, wherever we would see it most. Hopefully in our Bibles, a place where we would see it all the time, but maybe it's the fridge, maybe it's the remote, whatever, you, you know. But we're going to talk about distractions tonight, so it, it'll wind up in our Bible, I know, amen. But hey, there's a bunch of these left over. If you didn't get one, uh, feel free to grab one, grab a couple, and if you didn't get a chance to hear the message, I, I think it's going to be worth your while, you know, as we uh, look at, you know, together as a church family, where we want to move forward in this next year. So, uh, but out of that, you know, we talked about living on purpose. And so, you, you know, when you have a conversation about being purposeful, being intentional, you know, this idea of distractions isn't too far off. Because after all, what is it that's going to keep us from running the race marked out for us? What's going to keep us from being on purpose and doing the right things? Well, uh, it's not the only thing, but certainly distractions uh, can be one of the main things that come into our lives. And uh, so, so I said, you know, we're more of in a Bible study mode tonight. I want us to explore through the scriptures together and look at some different places where we see distraction or opportunity for distraction to go on. And I would invite you uh, to just absolutely try to personalize this message as much as you can. So as you're hearing things tonight, I really believe, and it's been my, my prayer, my, my anticipation uh, be, before we got to this evening, that Holy Spirit would quicken some things to our hearts and say, you know what, that's what that is for me. That's an area, Lord, that if I address that, then I will live more on track, more consistent, more purposeful in my walk with you, you know, in the days to come. So, uh, so we're going to talk about these things that get us off track. You know, what is, what is the definition of a distraction? Well, it's anything that gets our attention off of what it should be on, right? That's just a good, simple definition of a distraction. Uh, and when we identify our values and our priorities and the things that God is calling us to, when those things are clear, how many know that gives us great, great focus for our lives? Now, that doesn't mean distractions go away, but we're going to talk about how uh, being aware of what we should be on purpose with uh, will really help us in this arena of distractions. Uh, Philippians 3, uh, I know I said verse 14 is, is a verse we'll visit many times over the year, but let's, let's put it together with uh, starting at verse 12. It says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus." How many know there's a prize for you that's heavenward in Christ Jesus? Amen? Every single one of us, that, that's true for us. So there's things we want to be working on on purpose. And again, just bringing us back to Sunday morning, we, we talked about acknowledging God's priorities, that God's priorities should be worked into our lives as our, our priorities. Uh, we talked about uh, relationships and how important being intentional uh, with our God-given relationships, how important that is. And then there's goals, there's callings, there's other priorities that are in our life that we, we want to be on purpose with. You know, uh, maybe, you know, there's, there's health goals, you know, that people have. I've heard so many people talk about uh, eating right at the front end of this year, you know. And I imagine all the gyms, you know, and, uh, you know, the workout centers are all going uh, cha-ching right now because all the folks are paying and, you know, uh, people are upset about how far away they have to park, only to realize by, like, the second week in February, 
most of them will be able to park really, really close, right? You know, because it's that, those good intentions. But praise God, that's not us here tonight. We're not people of good intentions. We're people of purpose, amen? But, but you know, purposeful. So we want to identify and we want to have clarity. You know, wh what are the things that, that we should be giving our attention to? Uh, and then we acknowledged on Sunday, we talked about, um, and then all of this we need to understand in light of seasons, that there are different natural seasons. There are different life, life seasons for us. There's different spiritual seasons that we're in. And then, of course, there's the things that God is just speaking to our hearts. Those are things that we want to be on purpose with. Uh, again, going back to maybe their callings, maybe their commands, maybe their, their burdens that God has put uh, on us in our lives where we want to be faithful to these things. So God has given us commands, instructions about what we should be doing. Uh, but... We can get distracted. And instead of doing the things uh, that we should, uh, uh, at best, we don't accomplish what matters by being distracted, right? At best, we, we don't accomplish what matters. But at worst, these distractions can actually sabotage and shipwreck and detour, you know, us out of uh, walking with the Lord. So we need to be aware of what are distractions. You, you, you know, so many times, you know, the enemy's tactic, and the enemy will work in distraction, right? That's one of the devices he uses. You know, but sometimes we're just drawn away by our own flesh can, can just be distraction. There's the, the, this fallen world system that we live in that can be a distraction for us. But, you know, I thought this was interesting, the idea of diversion. During the height of the Cold War, there was an Eastern Bloc uh, that's a communist nation. And uh, th there was a story that came out where, uh, and, and there was a lot of oppression and everybody was, you know, under guard and there was soldiers and all of this. Well, there was a wave of petty theft in this particular country, and uh, in order to curtail this petty theft that was going on, the authorities put extra guards around this one factory. Uh, so at one lumber factory, the guard knew uh, the workers in the factory very well. And the first evening, uh, out came a worker with a wheelbarrow, and on the wheelbarrow uh, was a great bulky sack uh, with a suspicious-looking object on the inside. You know, so, you know, he said, all right, you know, what have you got there? And the, the worker just responded, it's just sawdust and shavings. And the guard said, come on, I wasn't born yesterday. Tip it out. I want to see what's in there. And sure enough, he tipped it over and out came nothing but sawdust and shavings. And so he was allowed to put it all back in and go home. Uh, and when the same thing happened every night of the week, the guard became frustrated. And finally, you know, he called the guy by name and he said, look, I know you. I, I know you and I know you're smuggling something out of here. Uh, and you know what? I'll let you go if you just tell me what you're smuggling out of here. And how many know what, what the, the worker's response was? Smuggling wheelbarrows. Right? Right? It, isn't it something how, you know, we could be distracted by this when right in front of our eyes, the enemy is doing in plain sight something that we're not seeing right? So there's something about distraction. There's something about diversion. Uh, distractions can be enticements. They can be entangle entanglements. They can be fears, anxieties, uh, things that capture our attention, uh, tests, trials, hardships. All these things can be distractions. Second uh, Corinthians 6, 4 through 10. Uh, rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, uh, in great endurance, in troubles, in hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. And all of these things could potentially be so, so distracting from the work of God, you know, for the Apostle Paul. But, you know, he's saying in all these things, they're keeping on, uh, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness, in the right hand and the left. Isn't that so awesome? He's talking about all this stuff that could so easily be something that would sideline the believer. And yet he's saying, no, here's all the great stuff that God is working out in our lives in, a, in the face of these things. The enemy wants it as a distraction. God wants it to be something redemptive. 
And he goes on, he says, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, uh, uh, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, right? How many know they took Paul out and they stoned him uh, what they thought was to death? I mean, he looked dead enough where they stopped what they were doing and they left him there. And, you, you, you know, uh, it's, it's, I think he just, God just said, no, it's not your time. And, and it, whatever life was taken out of him, God said, not yet. And he got up <laughs> dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. That is the ultimate picture of no distraction will be allowed to sideline me from what God has planned for my life. Sometimes the, what, what we see as a distraction coming down the road, it's the very thing that God is using to take us to the next place or to grow us deeper in Him or to glorify His name, uh, you, you know, through, through a testimony that will come out of what we're dealing with. So we'll, uh, we'll never know uh, we're distracted unless we're aware of what we could or should have our attention on. So uh, when we talk about dealing with distractions, you're going to hear me going back to that over and over again. You know, not that we're going to have our lives figured out and not that God uh, is not going to do suddenlies. I mean, how, how many would agree with me? It would be wonderful if God would let us know in advance, here's the syllabus, here's the plan of what I have for your life. You know, but I heard somebody say one time that it's kind of like when you're driving down a, a dark road and you've got your headlights on, right? Oftentimes, not, 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 this is not like a, you know, cut and dry in cement, but oftentimes uh, we can see just far enough down the road to see where the next turn is, to see where the next thing is, because he's leading us along the way. That's part of the journey, and there's so much that he does in our lives through leading us steps at a time. But even in all of that, we can live with great, great purpose— Again, just looking at some of these things we talked about on Sunday, being good stewards with what God placed in front of us, knowing His commands and, and, and what's important to Him and prioritizing that in our lives, listening and learning to discern His voice and, and walking in obedience to that. Um, but you know, God can give us a command. God can give us uh, a part of our calling, and we step out into it, and things go from I was doing well and everything was wonderful to life has gotten really, really tough. Can anybody wave at me and say, I can testify. I know about that. You know, and, and oftentimes we know it, it, it can be a, a testimony that we are doing everything right. Uh, but I want to look at Nehemiah for, for uh, a couple of minutes here. Like I said, I wanted to look through different portions of Scripture He's got this burden, and, uh, you know, he wants to see Israel restored, and he wants to see the, the wall rebuilt in Jerusalem, and, and, and God opens the door for him to get there, and, and it's, it's incredible and miraculous, and God is at work, and they get there, and he's working on the wall, and I just want to look at one chapter, Nehemiah chapter 6, and uh, let, let's just kind of, uh, you know, uh, take a stroll, if we could put it that way, through these 19 verses that we want to look at, and I want you to pay attention for the distraction uh, that, that comes against him. He is there to build a wall, to build, to rebuild. He understands it. He understands it from the prophetic picture. He understands it from God's desire. He understands it as a, a as a, just a zealous Israelite that loves being uh, God's people and all the calling that goes with that. Let's look at verse 1. It says, when word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, and, and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, this is Nehemiah talking, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, Though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Anno. So here it is, right? You know, uh, how easy would it have been for Nehemiah to say, oh, look, he must want to tell me what a wonderful job I'm doing on this wall. Perhaps I should be a man of, you, you, know, uh, you know, good relations here and go meet with this guy. Uh, but Nehemiah, he knows very clearly what these guys are up to. He goes on to say, but they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply, I am carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. 
right? I am, I am busy living on purpose, doing what God has purposed for me to do. I can't be distracted from this. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. So, wow, just, you know, sometimes distraction can be persistent. Come on, can you say amen? As I said, I want you to be, you know, be, you know bring in your own life before the Lord as we, as we dig through this and work through this. Have you ever had just persistent distraction? Just because it keeps knocking does not mean it's the Lord saying, you know, we'll just stop what I've called you to do, right? Uh, it says, it goes on in verse 5, then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter uh, in which was written. So now, now things are moving to intimidation. It's reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us meet together. So, so you guys get the picture, right? Here's the letter that I'm going to send, you know, back to the emperor. You, you know, if you don't come and meet with me, uh, I'm going to tell him you're revolting, that you're setting yourself up as king. This is furthest from his heart. He is, he's walking in purity and righteousness. He's just obeying the command of God. But now the distraction from the enemy moves from uh, let me get your eyes off the project to let me make you fearful if you keep doing what God has called you to do. Wow. Man, if that's not, you know, enemy 101 at, at work in our lives. Uh, but still, Nehemiah, faithful. I sent him this reply, nothing like what you are saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work, and it will not be completed. Tried to scare them out of staying on purpose for God. But now let, let's pay attention to hear uh, what does Nehemiah do? He says, but I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Right? Sometimes when the distractions come, and sometimes they're, you know, when I say the distraction, you know, we can think sometimes it's just a distraction. Sometimes the distraction is formidable. So what do we do in the face of a, a formidable distraction? Lord, strengthen my hands. One day I went to the house of, uh, it goes on to say here, we're in verse 10, uh, Shemaiah, son of uh, Deliah, son of Medabel, who was shut in at his home. And he said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. So now, you know, here's, here's you know, let me use fear. Uh, let me use intimidation. Let me use this scenario, you know, just taking another angle of trying to get him to stop being on purpose with what God called them to do. But I said, should a man like me run away? I love that. Courageous, right? Should a man like me run away or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalot had hired him. How about that? Uh, he had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. So they wanted to get him to uh, operate in a way where he would lose influence with the people. Look, our leader went and hid, you know, rather than standing courageously and boldly. Um, and what does he turn around and do? Again, he turns to prayer. Now his prayer isn't just, Lord, strengthen my hands. Now his prayer is, Lord, remember Tobiah and Sambalah because of what they have done. In other words, Lord, they're coming against your plan. You know, how many know this wasn't Nehemiah get going like all Godfather on him, right? You know, this was Nehemiah saying, I am about the Lord's business. This is why David could say to Goliath, Goliath, today I'm taking your head off your shoulders. You know, you're, you, you say I'm just a boy coming at you with sticks, but I'm going to slay you today because you're defying the living God. And I know him, I know his covenant, and I know what you're saying, and you're warring against him, not warring against me, right? And when we're living on purpose for the Lord, man, I tell you what, when that, the enemy is coming, like Lord, you know, that, that is Lord, deliver us from evil. Lord, deliver us from the evil one. Uh, and he goes on to say, remember the prophet uh, Noadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been 
been trying to intimidate me. So I love this. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. They built the wall all around the city there. That's an incredible work. And again, I, there's so much we could look at in this story. At one point, they're working, they're, they're working with the, you know, the, um, the, the trowel, the tool to build the wall in one hand and the sword in their other hand. You know, how, how is that for a picture of I will not be distracted from what God has said for me to do, right? So um, uh, the, the result of all this was a purpose and focus. If we go on and we'll finish, you know, through verse 19. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized this work had been done with the help of our God. See, that's the good news on the other side of it. You know, we hold fast to the Lord. What the enemy is doing, what the distraction is trying to doing, it will break, you know, and then, you know, what God is desiring to happen, God will be lifted up and uh, exalted. Verse 17, also in those days, the nobles of Judah were sending many letters to Tobiah and replies from Tobiah kept coming to them, for many in Judah were under oath to him, since he was son-in-law to Shechaniah, son of Ara, and his son Jehoahan, Jeho- Jehoahanan, yep, these fun names, uh, and married the daughter of Meshulam, son of Berechiah. Moreover, they kept reporting to me his good deeds and then telling him what I said, and Tobiah sent letters to intimidate me. So this ongoing picture back and forth of, of different, different manner, different facets on, on how distraction can come our way. So here we are looking at, you, you know, what would it be for us? We know in the New Testament, right, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, you know. So we can think of the uh, distraction of the enemy that comes through oppression. How many have ever had times where, you know, and sometimes for me, I, I'm a very practical person. So times, sometimes I'm thinking practical, and all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> spiritual warfare, right, you know, and then I, I turn and I pray. How many know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had where the enemy has so pressed, you literally feel the oppression, you know? But I think another great takeaway for us to examine is, you know, we do have to be careful uh, of, of who comes into our life. We want to do good to all people. We don't want to be people who look down our nose at somebody else, you know? We don't want to be too good for, for this person or for that person. But when it comes to who we yoke with and who we're connected with and who God has called us to be in partnership with, we have to be very aware. Sometimes the enemy will bring people that really the whole function of that person is to distract us from God's plan. Come on, can you say amen? And we have to be aware and we have to hear from God. All right, let's look. How are we doing tracking so far? Amen. All right, let's look at this from another perspective. Blessings can be a distraction if we're not careful. Right? And we, can, we even read, uh, I, I didn't bring this up for reference, but we, we look when God's people are being called out of Egypt and being formed into a nation, God reminds them several times. And when you get the victory and you get into the land that's filled with blessing, you know, flowing with milk and honey, and when you're prospered, you know, be careful not to forget the Lord your God. Right? So there's this picture, if we're not careful, you know, the blessings that come into our lives, they can get uh, wrong, they can get wrongly sized in the scheme of things in our life. And let's look at Matthew 19, verse 16. Uh, This is Jesus has a man approach him. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Well, which ones? The, the man inquired, and Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the man replied, you know, thinking, oh good, all of these I have kept. Uh, what do I still lack? And now Jesus is about to read the man's mail. If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Listen to what Jesus invites him to do. Then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Actually, I don't think it would be in any way misrepresenting this verse to say the man went away sad because great wealth had him. 
That's exactly what the Lord is, is getting across here in this picture. So he was distracted from his walk with God uh, by his wealth. And you know what? When we invite the Lord into the process, Lord, show me what's out of line in my life. Lord, show me what's got too much, uh, it's too exalted in my life. Thank God for it. How many know God will be pretty faithful to just, even if we need it, you know, two by four right, right in the forehead, you know, he'll make sure that we know and understand. That's because the Lord loves us. You know, and that, that's such a, isn't that such a sad story? You know, uh, Jesus said, I want you to, you know, it wasn't, the, Jesus was not teaching if anybody's going to be spiritual, they have to sell all they have. Amen? Right? Jesus was saying, your money has you. I need you to be loose from the grip of your money having you, so get rid of it. We're going to talk about that again in dealing with distraction. How do we deal with distraction? Sometimes dealing with the distraction is get it as far away from us as we can. But what an invitation. I want you to do all that. And he didn't say, but then go away and next time in town, come out to my evangelistic crusade. No, Jesus said, but then come and follow me. He invited him to be one of those that would, would, would follow around with Jesus. So uh, great, great distraction. He missed the opportunity during this three and a half years that Jesus ministered on the earth before he went to the cross and died and rose from the dead. He had the opportunity to be one of those that would be, you know, up front and center on this whole thing, but distraction got in the way of that plan of God for his life. Sobering stuff, amen? Okay, uh, so, so uh, the next thing, let, let's, let's look at distractions from this perspective, and, and let's realize this truth. We want to do the God things not just good things. Amen? Good things aren't necessarily the God things in the moment. And for this, we'll turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him. These are good things. The Lord, you you know, Messiah, he's in town. We have to, he has to have the best party possible. He has to have the best hosting possible. I'm hosting the Lord, right? This is a good, good thing, right? But she came and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things. So, so here's the thing. She was missing the blessing of the Lord being in her house because she was so, so upset about doing the good things, right? Oh, Lord, mercy. Uh, and, and Jesus said, uh, few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So again, you, you know, there are good things uh, and there are God things, but there are sometimes where God is saying, in this moment, this is more important than this. Hey, you, you know, a little, little pause. There are times we're going to see in the days ahead as we worship together corporately as a church family, we have to be discerning on what Holy Spirit is saying in the service. There's going to be times where He's going to want us to be still and quiet. And so somebody might be feeling, it is a good thing to lift my voice up to the Lord. And it is a good thing, but not right at that moment. Right? So God things in God's time, in God's way. Right? Are, so we can look at a good thing can be a distraction. And, and I'm thinking of this now because there have been times as we've been learning, because how many of you know this isn't science, this is we relationally walk with the Lord, but there have been times, I'm thinking I'm going back a couple of years in particular, it was a learning lesson for me. There was, a, there was something that God was doing in quietness in the room uh, in that moment, and there was an opportunity to change gears. There was an opportunity to do something different. And what was different when that was done, what the Lord was doing just lifted right up out of the room. Can you say amen? You tracking with me on that? You know, so it's it's learning to discover, Lord. Uh, I want to listen for your voice, and that what I'm trying to say is that change up 
wound up becoming a distraction from what the Lord was doing. I tell you honestly, it was a time of silence, but there was a holiness. Maybe some of you remember, maybe you were here that Sunday. I'm probably going back maybe four years, something like that. Um, Kids were in the service, and all through the message, you could hear the little ones, you know how little, one, little babies, they'll, they'll just kind of talk just because they're happy and they're talking and they hear their voice and all of that. There was, there was a holy hush that came on this whole sanctuary. It, it just, it was, it was incredible. It, it, and, and every child was silent. It was just, it was, it was just very special, a sense of God's presence. And I made the mistake of moving out of that moment too quickly. What was, in my eyes, a good thing was actually a distraction from what God wanted to do in that moment. Come on, can you say amen? So how many know God didn't strike me with lightning? I said, Lord, I recognize that now. Learning, turning my ear. Lord, forgive, help us, you know, and he's a good God and he, he's teaching us and we'll go through. But my whole point is there's, there's a lot of levels of application on this, you know. We're, we're all for let's be excellent and let's be diligent and let's, you know, that scripture principle teaches do what we do with all of our might as unto the Lord. But we need to realize that, that in all of that, there's, there's good, better, and best. You know, and the, the best thing is the thing that God is saying is what's most important in that moment. Can you say amen? All right. Um, so uh, another aspect here of dealing with, uh, dealing with distraction by keeping our eyes on what we are supposed to be doing, uh, we will stay clear of distraction. That is exactly what Nehemiah kept doing. In every one of those situations, those distractions were all to get him to stop doing what he was supposed to be focused on. So this is a, a cute story. Any baseball fans? here tonight? A few baseball? All right, so, so this is uh, Yogi Berra, the well-known catcher for the New York Yankees, and Hank Aaron, uh, who at the time was the chief power hitter for the Milwaukee Braves. Uh, so this is a scenario where they're playing each other, and the teams were playing in the World Series, and Yogi was keeping up his ceaseless chatter you know, to try to distract, intended to pep up his teammates on the one hand and distract the Milwaukee batters on the other hand. So I, I love this story. As Aaron came to the plate, Yogi tried to distract him by saying, Henry, you're holding the bat wrong. Can you imagine that? While well, he's standing up there at a bat and he's being told, you're holding the bat wrong. You're supposed to hold it so that you can read the trademark. Aaron didn't say anything, but when the next pitch came, he bashed the ball out into the left field bleachers. Home run. And after rounding the bases and tagging home plate, he looked at Yogi and he said, I didn't come up here to read. I love that. That is like, yeah, what that ultimate, you know, one-liner there. You talk about being focused, right? You know, and not letting yourself be moved from, from uh, proper focus. Matthew 15, 8, uh, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So this speaks to like, how do we deal with distraction? You know, one of the aspects of dealing with distraction is learning to practice being present wherever we are, right? I know for me as a dad, when my kids were younger and they'd be talking to me about silly things, you know, uh, you, you know, like a pillow and the, the, the little frilly thing on the pillow, you know, and I'll be, I, I would find myself, uh, if I was not careful, maybe some of you can relate where I'd go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my mind is on 16 other things, you know, and, and I would even realize that, that as, as my kids got older, uh, if, if I wanted them to continue to come in and check in with me on things, I better be a little more present than that, right? Uh, same thing goes in, you know, friendships, marriage relationships, certainly with the Lord, right? For us to come in uh, to time of worship and to make sure that we fully, fully engage Him. You know, there's times on, on a Sunday, a busy Sunday, or maybe a, a day of fellowship, my test on whether I have been present the way I needed to, I should be tired on the other side of it because I'm giving attention and attention and attention every place where it's needed in every setting. Come on, wave at me if you can say amen, right? So, uh, so that, that's another aspect here uh, as we just take this, this stroll through the Word and, and look at some of these principles. Uh, you know, in, in my introduction, one thing I didn't mention is, you know, w more than ever, 
distraction. I mean, it's been one of the enemy's strategies since the fall in the garden. Humanity has had to deal with distraction. But in our modern technology culture, uh, it's amplified. It, it, is, it is more amplified than it's ever been before. And you look at the recipe of all of that with all of the um, just tension that's in our world and trouble that's in our world, uh, we definitely want to be people uh, that can make sure that we say, I'm aware of this thing called distraction and I'm living in such a way where it's not going not gonna to get me off track. So uh, sometimes uh, I, I want to talk now about when the storm comes and we say, oh my goodness, it's a storm, and we let it knock us on our tail. And all along, the Lord is saying, it's just a distraction. I don't care how big it is. You know how I said earlier, I'm not minimizing it? Well, from the Lord's perspective, the Lord says, it doesn't matter how big it is doesn't matter what's going on. And again, we see this Matthew 8, 24 uh, to 27. It says, suddenly a ferocious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And that's the answer for us. Yes, even the wind and the waves obey him. That whenever the storm comes, whenever the, the danger of the situation comes, he's bigger than it always, 100% of the time. So I, I love this. Jesus will either calm the storm or calm the child of God, one or the other. Either the storm is raging and we're at sleep in the boat, or he says, peace be still to the storm, and the storm dies down. One way or the other, he's got it. Amen? Just a distraction. Uh, amen. All right, so let's see, how are we doing? We're doing good here. So in summary, uh, a couple of practical things. We took this stroll looking at Scripture from different perspectives on, on what distraction can look like. Let me summarize this, and again, I want you to keep your ears perked. Uh, is there anything that the Lord would be saying to you? So, so how do we deal in 2023 with distractions? Well, number one, let's go back and say it one more time, so we get a sense of, okay, what does it look like to be purpose-driven in my life in this next year? Get, you know, some for instance for me, you know, so walking out God's commands, you know, uh, my, my family, priority, my priorities as, as a pastor. There's some health things that I'm working on uh, to, just to be living healthier, things like that. I've got, I've got some priorities uh, laid out. So how do we, uh, so first we know what living on purpose looks like for us. That can be just something simple, just a, a handful of here's what matters most, you know, and, and just making sure that we're clear on it. And then from there, those things that we're clear on, here's just a couple of very practical suggestions that will keep us on target. Number one, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of turn it into a goal. You know, so again, for instance, my relationship with my wife is, is a priority. Uh, that, that's, that's an area I want to be on purpose in this next year. So I've, I've looked at that from the perspective, okay, so how am I going to turn that into a personal goal on what that looks like uh, for me to be the best husband I can be in this next year or to grow as a husband in this next year, right? So you take the area and you turn that into, you know, maybe it's, um, how many know to say, well, I just want to grow spiritually. How many know that's way too hazy? Right? You know, it's like, well, what does gross spiritually look like? And you might get that really down. You know, come to think of it, my temper needs some work. You know, come to think of it, I, I could be a little more loving. Come to think of it, I could be a little less critical. Come to think of it, I, generosity is kind of tough for me, whether it's my time, my finance. We, we, we start to work it out and we start to get areas and now we can put that into, all right, Lord, how do I take a step forward? You know, so you, you think in, in light of a goal. And, and, you know, really interesting. Now, this is, again, moving into, you know, uh, studies that they've done in the professional world, hands down. The most successful people are those who figure out what they're aiming at on purpose, write it down, and then figure out how to walk it out. Here's what I want to do, and here's how I think I can get there. And I always word it this way, and you write it in pencil, because we're led by the Spirit. 
And who knows what God's going to say in the day-to-day. But at least we're aiming, because if we aim at nothing, we'll hit it every time. Right? What does it look like? Did you grow spiritual last year? Oh, sure. How do you know? I was at church. Okay, that's awesome. That's good. You know, but, but what, what's more clear that, that we can grab a hold of in that? So, some kind of goals. And then the power of reflecting. Reflecting daily, uh, reflecting weekly. I know for me, I really try to take the entire month of December and look back on my whole last calendar year and just try to get a handle on, Lord, what, what were some of the things that you've said? I, because I don't, I don't want to let go of a big lesson he might have worked in my life back in January, but now a lot of life has happened since January, and I, and I don't want to let go of it, so I'll go back to it, you know? So times of reflecting, and then inviting uh, accountability into your life. Inviting people that you can share with on these different areas. Here's where I'm trying to grow. Here's what it looks like. You know, and just inviting them into the process. Can you say amen? Amen. All right. Um, And then uh, I talked earlier about uh, practicing being present. So, you know, that that means learning to ask ourselves the question, uh, what's the main thing right now? You know, in this moment, what should be the main thing that I'm doing, that I'm focusing on? And and when we learn to do that, uh, going back to uh, Nehemiah in those times of pressure, uh, keeping, this is another thing that we can do to keep distraction out, staying very in touch with the Lord during the, the pressure, difficult times, talking to the Lord about it, right? How many would agree sometimes when the heat goes on, if we're not careful, we distance from the Lord? You know, if, there, if we get, you know, I keep using this expression, knocked on our tail, you know, sometimes we can get up and, you know, not necessarily think, no, I got to go right to the throne of grace. I got I to gotta keep God in this process. So I know that might sound kind of obvious, but I think sometimes, sometimes it can be human nature where we don't run right to Him and keep running right to Him. So keeping God in the midst of everything that's going on. And then... Um, how about this on a practical note? It says right in Scripture, to lay aside the weights and the sins that so easily beset us. So if we were to, you know, go around and have accountability conversations around the room, what might be besetting to me might be no issue for you. And what might be besetting for somebody else might be no issue for me. You know, so that's a very personalized thing for us to look at. Okay, what is a besetting sin for me? And once I'm clear on that, how do I build my life in a way where that's really hard for that to beset me? Amen? You know, and, and how about the weights? Those are different than sins, but those are things that will slow us down, entangle us, trip us up from running our race. So maybe there's things that, again, God wouldn't call them sin in and of themselves, you know, not like out mugging people or, you know, doing horrible things, but just the, hey, this is a weight in my life and God's got a race for me to run. And so I have to put these weights aside. So are we aware of the sins that would easily beset us, and are we aware of those things that are weights? Tell you what, we're talking about growing as disciples of Christ. You know, when we start, right, just, just that one exercise there, bringing that in devotionally before the Lord. Lord, show me what, what besets me. Show me uh, what's weights in my life, and, and He'll start peeling those things away. You know, and as we, as we continue to ask God for revival— don't look now, but we're, we're working behind the scenes in our own private devotion with the Lord, making an environment for revival, personal revival to happen in our lives. Amen? Isn't that exciting? Uh, okay, uh, going back to the idea of Mary Martha, so evaluate what we do in light of what's good, better, and best. You know, I mean, it should go without saying, but if we have bad and if we have in our lives bad, good, better, best, the first step is, okay, let's get the bad out. You know, the, the stuff that is sin, let's get that out. And then what's left is good stuff, better stuff, and best stuff. You know, and then let, let's understand, Lord, what's the best that I, I can or should be doing right now? Now, can I give just what, one disclaimer? I, I thought about this as I was working on the lesson. Being purpose-driven, how many know I'm not saying um, that we should be like some— weird, twisted, spiritual version of a hyper-workaholic. 
right? I don't want you to get that sense out of what I'm saying about like, well, get off the weights and get this out and get that out because we got work to do because we're on purpose, you know, and, and in the congregation, we're just saying, yes, drill sergeant, you know, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that from that context. As a matter of fact, I, I want to acknowledge here too, you know, part of uh, living on purpose is making sure that there are healthy rhythms to our lives. You know, so on the front end of 2023, you know, uh, God gives his beloved sweet sleep. You know, we should be getting rest. You know, Jesus is our Sabbath rest, but God has designed our bodies where we need rhythms of rest in our lives. We should be building margin into our lives so there's not just stress because our calendars are so packed. How many know I'm preaching it myself as well? <laughs> so, um, you know, evaluating this whole picture of good, better, best. So I, I'm saying that I don't want you to think best is how much can I cram into a day? How much can I cram into a week? How much can I cram into a month? Now I'm talking about developing these rhythms of I'm living on purpose, you know. And if there's anybody who'd say, I don't have room to do everything that I'm doing, here's the challenge for us. There's enough room to do everything God is calling us to do now. So the goal is for us to discern, all right, what am I thinking I have to do that I don't have to do right now? You know, and getting, getting these, these rhythms in our lives, all right? So with that, wrapping up on this, um, what are some of your major distractions that you're facing right now? What are the biggest distractions in your life? How many know some of our distractions can be um, the unknown? You know, fear of the unknown, you know, uh, of, you know, looking into, there, there's all kinds of places where distraction can come from. And what's a game plan that you can put together? You know, maybe look up some scripture or find a promise from God uh, or, you know, get some accountability or take some steps to where that distraction is out of your life. Um, so living on purpose and learning to discern and immobilize distractions, church, will be a powerful factor in our life, in our 2023 in the fruit that comes out of our lives, in the ultimate legacy that we leave in our lives, right? By learning to say, I'm not going to let distractions overwhelm me. Uh, closing story, you know, just looking at the power of focused purpose in the Lord. Uh, according to history, the disciple Andrew, uh, he was a disciple of John the Baptist, and yet we, we read in Scripture, as soon as Christ came into his life, his focus, his priority completely changed. Uh, in John chapter 1, uh, we read that he left the ministry of John the Baptist immediately to follow Christ. It goes on in verse uh, 41 of John chapter 1 that uh, he goes on and Andrew introduces Jesus to his brother, Peter, right? Uh, we read in Matthew, Jesus called Andrew, and it says he dropped his nets and followed him. No distractions, no delays. He did it immediately. Isn't that extraordinary? You know, he just said, man, he's it. I'm dropping it all, and I'm following him. Well, after the crucifixion of Christ, Andrew, uh, church history, you know, tells us he went on to preach the gospel in Russia, Byzantium, and then finally in Greece. And uh, history tells us he led the wife of the em emperor to Christ in Greece. And uh, that actually he was crucified because of that. So he led her to Christ, but that, that literally cost him his life. And he was crucified being tied to an upside-down cross. Uh, now, we talked about Peter in an upside-down cross, but the one about Andrew, maybe you've heard it in different, you know, church, religious, Christian settings, Andrew's cross that is in the shape of an X. Uh, so, uh, gives rise to this symbol of, uh, again, what's called St. Andrew's Cross. Uh, and uh, he's actually, uh, in Scotland, he's the patron, patron saint, of, uh, saint of Scotland. Wow, that's a lot of S's. Uh, um, and I, I didn't really know this until uh, looking at this story here, but on the flag of Great Britain, the Union Jack, that represents uh, the, that cross there of, of, of Andrew, you know, uh, and the importance of the gospel. But it's interesting, while he was being crucified, uh, we're told down through history that he preached to the crowds for two days while he was being crucified. And he led many to the Lord, and when he was about to die, the crowd came near to rescue him and tried to get him down, but he refused. His eyes were pointed toward heaven, and he refused to take them away because he didn't want to be distracted. Man, that's like the ultimate 
moment of what does it look like when we live for purpose? And how much did God do? You know, and doesn't it say, you know, uh, you know how precious it is, those, uh, the death of the martyrs? You know, what kind of fruit came out of uh, him just making a decision all the way until my last breath, my eyes will not be off the Lord. Amen. Isn't that inspiring? Praise God. All right. Hey, let's close in prayer. And again, as we close in prayer, I just want to invite you uh, to just, just make your seat just an altar with the Lord. And, and if there are particular areas where you're saying, all right, so here's some distraction areas. Uh, let me also just say too, don't despise small beginnings. You know, uh, inch by inch, life's a cinch. Yard by yard, life is hard. No, that's not a Bible verse. In case you're wondering. Uh, but just the idea of, hey, maybe there's certain things that are habits as distraction. You know, maybe it's, you know, scrolling media, you know, uh, you know, radical things like a fasting or a breaking of, of something could be what God is calling you to, but there could be just simply, hey, I'm going to learn to practice this. And inch by inch, God is going to bring such a change in the amount of distraction that, that is allowed in your life. So, well, Father, as we close service here tonight, Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we've had just to be in your word and, and just to glean from it. And Lord, recognizing that we can go all the way back to the garden in the fall and there's distraction and everywhere in between. And Lord, as, we, we, as we've acknowledged here tonight, we recognize that, you know, part of the, the comforts and uh, conveniences that we have in our modern culture uh, the price tag has been now opportunity for huge distraction. And the price tag has been the need to be much more diligent on fighting off distraction. So we pray for wisdom here tonight, Holy Spirit. Give us wisdom to uh, recognize and understand what's replenishing, what's life-giving, what's rejuvenating, uh, and Lord, what constitutes distraction in our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for, for giving instruction there. Lord, we, we bring before you the, the totality of our lives. Lord, let it be the weights and the sins that would easily beset. Let us have clarity and understanding on those things. And just a Holy Spirit-breathed game plan to push that stuff out. Lord, any place where distraction has gotten us off track, thank you for getting us back on track here tonight by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, finally, I just pray that as we would walk through this next calendar year, let it be that there's a greater awareness and a greater discernment. Lord, let it be a learning year. Let it be a growing year for us as we learn to keep distraction out and to stay uh, on purpose, running the race marked out for us, God. Lord, in all of this, we give you thanks. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. Amen.